Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasoned musicians to discuss their life, art, and the faith of jazz as they see it. In this episode, we interview a composer, arranger, violinist from Montreal, Canada, Aline Hamzi. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange. Today, we have Alan Hamzi with us. Ma'am, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me today. Well, can you please introduce yourself to people and then we'll get into it? Yeah, so um, I'm a, a violinist, primarily playing jazz and improvised music, and I'm based in Toronto in Canada. And uh, I just released my first album, so I'm really excited about that and uh, excited to be here and, and to be chatting with you. Okay. Well, first of all, everybody, three times a charm, three women in jazz in a row. I'm actually quite honored because you girls are really <laughs> hard to schedule for some reason. Oh, yeah. interesting. I don't understand why. Busy. Yeah, busy. <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> and me being the person I am, I got to pick on you and ask, what made you want to actually do that for jazz? Play jazz violin? Yeah. It's a great question because uh, it's important for me to, to kind of spread spread the good word about, um, you know, improvising jazz, whatever it is that you want to do, uh, can happen on any instrument. And I grew up playing violin, but classically. Um, but I was surrounded by jazz my whole life. Um, both my parent, my mom played double bass and my dad taught jazz studies at Concordia University in Montreal. So there was always jazz around in my surrounding. And at a certain point, I just got really sick of the um, competitiveness of the classical violin world. And I just like would play tunes with my dad. And uh, there was something really freeing about that. So like learning tunes and getting really deep into the harmony, into the melodies, um, and sometimes into the lyrics, um, and then kind of like coming up with your own way of expressing that um, through improv. So that's kind of when I discovered that actually, yeah, okay, my, vi my instrument is the violin, but my language is more in the jazz and improvised music world. Okay, one thing I gotta ask is, are you saying the jazz world's easier than the classical world? <laughs> no. Okay, because that's what it's I would not say like. that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not easier. Not by any means easier. It's just that there's there's an amount of freedom uh, that improvising in jazz allows you that classical um, music, the way that it, classical music is taught anyway, or that was taught to me, and it, of course, it depends on, on, on your teachers. And I had some amazing teachers. Um, so I don't want to discredit that in any way. But um, but just this, this sense of like with classical music, how you have to recreate something that's already been done, right? And recreate it um, like to a T of like previous recordings or like previous interpretations that have happened. Um, so I found that to be just so rigid in its approach. And um, I was I was just kind of bothered by that. And I, I was really looking for something to allow me to to express what I wanted to say 
um, and that's through improv, but also through composition. Okay. I mean, there are times I don't like the freedom in jazz as much as I love it. Sometimes people take it way too far that it's, in my mm. opinion, not listenable. or uh, People don't right. want to hear it, I should say. And we already yeah. have that problem. At least classical yeah. has a solid base throughout every generation. People seem to respect it more right. than jazz. <laughs> but yeah, I give you that. Well, I think it's like it's it's like a cultural thing too, right? Where like classical music is often uh, received in like a concert hall, and people are willing to pay more money to go have that kind of experience or something. Like it's it's so like it's such like an old fashioned like European thing, um, and. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's a really interesting conversation that I, I've I've thought a lot about it. Okay, um, so what do you think of people moving jazz into the concert hall? Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I think, you know, on one side, like I think about you know, jazz like at, at the beginning stages of jazz. Like, what did that music do? I think for me, in in what I've researched and read and whatever, like. For me, part of the reason is that it was meant to bring joy to people, right? It was the popular music. And I'm talking at the time. about like, yeah. Yes. And I'm talking about like way back. Well, like when, the 20s. Right? Yeah. Okay. Or even before, like the early 1900s. Okay. Ragtime stuff, yes. Yeah. 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 And then like the evolution of it has kind of, I mean, yes, it, it also a political music, right? We, we know that. Um, and I think that essentially now we see this like kind of, um, I don't know how to put it best in words, but like this, this kind of like broken, not broken, but like separated thing with jazz where we have like all these little different pockets of, of stuff happening. And one of them is like this very, very serious music that does happen in the concert hall. And I think on one level, it's great because yes, it, it, it brings awareness to people that this music is important to listen to and it should be listened to where people are giving it their full attention. But on another level, like going to a club and like just like being surrounded by this this kind of energy where people are just like in it for the experience of like, a full jazz club experience like that's a whole other thing that i think people kind of miss the point of sometimes if that makes sense i think once they started bringing it into the country i mean concert halls <laughs> I, I, I said country i know concert halls it was <laughs> the acknowledgement of people accepting that it was a dying form of music mm, interesting yeah because a lot of these people are teaching at conservatories because they need a job yeah. Yes, because yeah. they can't get any gigs. Right. That's my... Yeah, I mean, it's a thing. I mean, I, but the other thing, too, is that, like, um, you know, I, I don't know if you're familiar with, with someone like Roscoe Mitchell, but, like, he's such, like, a deep scholar and, like, education, like, person, and or, or maybe someone like Billy Taylor, who talks about, like, jazz is America's classical music. Like, I think for people like such as those two people that I just mentioned, like it, it was really actually about bringing attention to this music 
where people could appreciate it in a place that wasn't like super loud of people not paying attention to the music and not treating it as background music. But when it was dance background music, artists were selling. Totally. Yeah. I just came from a jazz festival and I think I was the youngest person there and the next person number two was probably 20 years older than me. <laughs> yes. So yes. so that's a that's a, that's I think a failure of cultural education in our communities in our schools where and I'm, no, I'm I mean, half American. I disagree with that. I, but. I'm in, <laughs> no, no, no. But just because I, I, I'm, I'm in Canada, but like just the history in America of like having music be a part of schools is now so seldom. Like we, it's like band programs, whatever music programs are rare now, right? Whereas they used to be much more prevalent. But do the kids want to learn an instrument? I mean, at a certain point, it's like, do the kids want to learn to be what what we, we can't tell that like, no, what I mean, what I mean out, by that is like, and yeah, we'll get back to jazz on this, but I like what she's doing here. But <laughs> what I'm saying is like, you <laughs> could learn, you could write a rap song in less than a day, record it that same day. And now you have a song with no right. lyrical training, no anything. Yeah. You can't but pick up a violin like mono... and play a no. scale in a day. No. Yeah. And for me, like, that's like such a terrible, it's not, it, it, it's like a, we're losing the importance of process and the importance of like developing patience and developing community and developing collaboration. Right because people are so used to doing things so quickly on their own and just being so like, like immediately. I mean, if I build, if I pull up the billboard something. top 100, how many instruments are actually used? Probably two oh or three. Oh my gosh, probably like very little. Yeah, it, it, that's so sad a keyboard, to me, right? I, I can't even say a drum machine and a guitar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and voice. Yeah. So if the popular music doesn't have an instrument, yeah. Well, see, that's the problem because then children are exposed to such a monoculture like that of like, okay, billboard, whatever. That's They're told that that's the music that they should be listening to, um, that that's the music that is relevant, right? And it is, like that's the relevant that's the music, relevant right music. Now. So, <laughs> But it also... Yeah. By forcing them to go sit down and listen to, I don't know, which song you want to pull up for the violin concerto list or ever. Any violin concerto. Yeah. Yeah. Do they really want to sit there and do that? Sit still? Well, it's not up to us to decide. Like, I mean, it's going to be hard for them to focus that long at, at first. Right. But like, I think like that's an experience in itself where if you sat down like a four-year-old to listen to a movement from a violin concerto, I bet you it would like blow their mind because they've never heard something like that. They'd be like, what is this? Uh, I think you need a tiger parent to actually get that <laughs> going. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's, uh, and it's true. And it's, 
I mean, it's an, it's a really interesting conversation because I think that there is just so, there are so many holes again, culturally in the education system where these things are not actually even like an option. Like it's not an option for people anymore to like become a musician because there's just no work, right? So if you're already like not making, like if your family is like lower income family and your kid shows an interest in music, you're probably not going to like foster that in in their lives because to you it's not an option to see your child have like this life of financial struggle so it's not encouraged that brings it to a whole different side roles because historically the best artists came from the lower class and the upper class people could afford to do it but then it becomes a classism situation which is technically the jazz world right now it's upper middle class and upper class offspring absolutely yeah yeah because now you have to be able to afford to buy instruments you have to be able to afford music lessons you have to be able to afford after school curricular activities you know like it's such a it's so corrupt i wouldn't say corrupt i just don't think people should rely on the public school system to teach them this stuff Right. Uh, so who should they rely on? Hmm? Who? Who? Simple. You got to be hopeful that your parents are into it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then yeah. they want to push it on you. Right. Which is one reason why it's dying. Because you really right. want to spend that yeah. much time with your kid. I see my little nieces and nephews. Do I want to spend two hours hearing them just bang, 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 not get it right? That's a different type of torture. but it doesn't have to be torture it can be a discovery it can be a really positive discovery I mean I'm not a parent so I just see it as torture right now maybe if I had a kid (laughs) yeah right well that's that's your opinion and and that's um, you know I think everybody has has their own way of um, introducing things like that and I think um, for me it's like it's so important for for it to be like from a discovery standpoint and yes like children need need to be like told to practice if if that's a a priority for you to to want your child to excel it doesn't it's not even just music like if you want them to be good at math then they need to do their math homework right but then that's why i said i can't blame the school system because even those other subjects like you said math reading all that stuff is just tanking it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a huge Maybe it's better it's in Canada, problem. but in the States, eh. So, question on something yeah. else. Your mother played the yeah. double bass. Mm-hmm. Who does she actually like in the jazz scene right now? Ooh, good question. Um, does she listen to any of them? I think she's she's very open-minded, but I, you know, I haven't had, I haven't asked her that question. Mm-hmm. Um it, it, it's it hasn't really come up recently, so I I don't know. But she's very open minded, and and she'll listen to anything with with you know just see check check things out all the time. Okay, no worries. So your album, it isn't straight yeah. swing. It's like you put chamber stuff in it, then you made it swing. So what? 
I just want to know what Nate, what were you thinking when you wrote this or put it together, etc. Yeah, I think uh, for me, it's it's just like this conver- convergence of of my difficult different different <laughs> musical interests and and background, um, and and being able to merge kind of all these these worlds together um, through composition and and seeing where that lands us and and kind of just being mindful of being welcoming through the music but also being like uh it's there it's there to be welcoming towards an audience but also challenge at some times and sometimes like it's just like a big you know world of just different moods and and different Okay, do you happening. put it together in your head before you put it on paper, or is it one of those things you play, then you jot, play, then you jot? Uh, lots of different processes for me. Like some of the pieces, I, I just improvise in the air and record voice memos and then develop those ideas kind of over time. Uh, sometimes I just get like a melody stuck in my head and I just like write, write it right down and uh, put chords to it. Um, and then obviously there are some moments where it's. Um, more improvised where there's just like a simple melody with chord changes. And then as a group, we kind of come together and, and make the piece uh, come to life. So is it any more difficult because you're violinist? <laughs> no, I think all, all instruments are, are difficult in their own ways. Uh, but I think the challenge comes with the violin um, in the sense that there's less precedent for the instrument in jazz and in improvised music, um, obviously there are, you know, there are a number of, of, of violinists um, to have come before me who, who do lots of interesting things, uh, but it's not in any way the same as if we're talking about sax players, yeah. trumpet players, or what, so what have you. When you so show yeah. up to a jam session, do people take you serious? Mm, I've done. <laughs> I, I, I have to ask Sometimes. that because I had an accordion yeah. player on, I had a harpist on, and both of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it depends. I mean, I think there's there's this double double thing for me being a woman and also being a violinist, and so people, you know, they see me come on, and and I actually this happened to me <laughs> in Berlin, where I went to a jam, a jam session and I started counting off a tune. And I was like, one, two, one, two, three, four. And the guitar player was like, are you sure you can play at that tempo? What's the song? And I was like, are you serious? Uh, alone together. Okay, whatever. That's not that much difficult. I was expecting like confirmation or something like that. <laughs> no, but the, but the point is that this guy like couldn't like wrap his he- head around like me counting in a tune like sort of fast. It wasn't even that fast. Um, and, and he just was like, are you sure you can do that? And I'm like, of course, <laughs> like, why would I count it in if I, like, I don't want to embarrass myself here. So yeah. Interesting. Okay. I would not have thought that would happen in Berlin. That guitarist let me down, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Yep. He let, he let us all down. <laughs> Any positive reactions after that, at least? Oh my gosh, yeah, people are always like so, I mean, it's kind of become like a funny thing in my life because people are always very surprised 
you know, they're like, wow, I can't believe you can do that. Or like, wow, I can't believe, you know, I've never heard the violin like in the setting. And I get it. Like, it's not a common thing, but it's, it, it gets a little tiring. Okay. Do the radio stations take you serious? Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. I would say I've never had a problem with, with radio stations. In Canada or in the States? Or all over? Both. Okay. No problem. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'll be the first one to say certain instruments came across my desk. I'll be like, <laughs> I'm going to listen to this, but I don't have high expectations. Right. I had a guy come. And are you sometimes pleasantly surprised? Oh, yeah. There's one guy who sent something, <laughs> yeah. a baritone recorder. I was not expecting Whoa. anything from that. Sadly, it was good. <laughs> <laughs> I love so, that. That's so fun. If you want to come on, everyone's going to have to. And that person, I'm just going to ask, like, A, why are you playing that instrument? B, how did it end up yeah. in jazz? And C, you wasted your money recording this? Because you're not going to get your money back. But I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. Oh, my gosh. So the Well, I, I, I'll i be curious. I'll keep an eye out for that. I'm very curious. <laughs> so the Canadian scene in general. Yeah. How is that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's pr probably pretty similar to the States, but it's obviously smaller. Um, and obviously, uh, I think we have some of the, the, you know, some similar problems. Um, but one thing with the Canadian scene that's kind of challenging is touring because Canada is so spread out the main cities are not very close to, to one another. So it's, it's definitely a, a pretty big challenge touring here, uh, especially right now when everything is so expensive, flights are just insane and fees aren't, you know, Canadian jazz festival fees aren't necessarily the best fees. So that's a huge challenge. Yeah. Most festival fees aren't that good, but yeah. you have two of the bigger yeah. ones. So that everyone in the States yeah. is trying to make. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, no, it's, it's a huge challenge. Have you performed in both of those already? I have been, um, in Montreal, I haven't played with my, my own group yet. So I, I'm hoping that for that for next summer. Okay. Like I said, that's one of the big spots where people want to go. Montreal and the TD yes, festival. So if you hit those, yeah. You yeah. kind of made it, even though you're not making off these festivals. Yeah. yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's funny. It's like this misconception I think people have of like, oh, you've made it. You, you've played at the Montreal Jazz Festival. Like, that's amazing. And like, they kind of assume uh, that you're, I don't know, making a certain amount of money. But it's like, it's actually just not. It's such a small blip of like... Of, of a thing that happens. Um, it's great for your creds, but it's it's such a small thing um, in the grand scope of, of everything. In the grand scope of that, like just in New York, they had Afropunk. And one of my friends mm -hmm. performed as a lead act. And he told me how much yeah. he made. I didn't yeah. believe that. Right, because it was so He made $3,000 for one whole set. Now, right. that's a lot in jazz, but... Yeah. In one of the big headline of festivals? Yeah. 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 So, okay, that's fair to go. Now, I'm just yeah. curious in your point of view, okay? 
jazz in 10 years, do you think it will still be around? Yes, I think it will still be around. I think people will continue to, to search out um, these experiences. I think there's also like this, this resurgence of young people like post pandemic. I mean, at least here in Toronto, there's like a lot of young people like <laughs> really hustling um, and, and doing a lot of like really amazing creative things. So I think it will still be here. Will it be more popular? Hard to predict that. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I hope so. Because I do understand uh, young people hustling in a field. Is just that I also say, do they want to hear your music? Right. Like, like picking on this I, poor guy, yeah. which would suck because if he comes on, he's probably going to listen to this episode of Rip on Me, a baritone recorder, and you put out an yeah. album. I don't even think yeah. the most open-minded magazine is looking to review that album. Right. Well, and again, it's kind of like going back to what we're saying. I mean, this is a little stretch, far, far stretched, perhaps, but it's like the billboard thing, right? It's like the magazines have have power to kind of dictate what gets seen and listened to. Um, the same way that the the billboard like top whatever is like that's what most people are going to listen to because that's what's most readily available. But there is like all this other stuff happening Let's, around the edges. Let me be nice and actually be nice to the magazines for once. So are they selective because you know they have? Are they stopping us from hearing a lot of crap? Let's ask it like that. Oh, definitely. Okay. So you still think they, uh, what's, what's that word? Uh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) I forget the word, uh, gatekeep most of us still. Yeah. You still think they do. Right. I mean, yes, on a certain level. Yes. Um, I mean, I have a huge privilege of of, of working with a publicist. Not everybody has that, Mm -hmm. um, is able to do that. So if you, you know, a lot of people just release their their music into nowhere land because they don't have the tools. It's true. And some of that music is amazing, but it's like never going to get heard because they just don't have the tools, the contacts, um, you name it, to, to get it into people's hands or, or get, get it to their ears. Okay, so how would you fix that? Let's start with that. <sighs> I don't think it's up to me to fix no, it. No, we're just saying that they put I, you in charge. <laughs> Somehow. Uh, I mean, we're very, very lucky in Canada that we have very strong funding from our government. So it's hard for me to come up with a solution uh, that doesn't involve that because I'm very privileged and used to, like, you know having this support system in place that's like hey like we want you to be creative here like is some funding for you to do that ah okay so so that's a huge difference i will say between you know canada and the states because we have this incredible funding support system okay i honestly don't know much about that that's something i have to read up more on after this 
Yeah. Okay. Have you ever had been invited to play on any other gigs that weren't just jazz? Yeah. I mean, I think it's part of the course um, <laughs> when you're a musician living in an expensive city such as Toronto, uh, but not just in Toronto, obviously. It's not a unique problem to hear, but I think you kind of have to um, uh, be flexible in, in what you're doing and what you're offering uh, if you're going to survive in a place like this. So, yes. Um, and I, I, I've played gigs with you know, people like Ed Sheeran, like big names, you know, like I've been on an episode of Glee, um, things like that, where, you know, you, you make a decent amount of money. Um, and it, it always, for me, it always goes back to, uh, <laughs> to be able to basically fund myself to live, to be able to live in this city and to be able to continue doing my own projects. Okay. Uh, was it just a tour performance with Ed Sheer, or was it like a recording session? It, that was a festival um, a, called We Have Much Music Here. It's kind of like MTV, um, and he was one of the perform headliners, I guess, okay. for, for that. And which episode of Glee, just in case if people want to watch it? Yeah. Ooh. It's in season four. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jeez, I can't remember what episode it was now, but it's the song Creep by Radiohead. <laughs> okay. So she's in Glee, people. Congrats, you made it to the big screen. <laughs> You're a star. Yeah, and it's so funny. It, well, that's the thing. It's so funny because it's like, again, it's such a small little blip in like the grand scope of like what I do. But that stuff gets attention because people are familiar with that, you know, with those names and, and like whatnot but like for me like it's so not significant to like my actual like artistic practice and like what i actually can do. i mean getting on a top television show with your instrument is a big accomplishment it, it is it is it is uh, there's no doubt in that but it's like i just wish that people could like see that and like dig a little deeper and be like, well, well, what does this person actually do? You know? Okay. Next question on this. I'm actually curious. It's completely different. Just off the last two guests I had. Okay. Yeah. Being a woman in jazz. How come I don't see more women groups? You know, it's an interesting question. I think it can come across as being a little performative and to me i think you know at the at the core of it i don't think it's actually up to women to necessarily do that kind of work you know do we talk about men groups no actually because it's they do well, but not in the same way. Like, would you have you asked like a man on your show, like, why are there so many all men groups? <laughs> uh, no, but after the last two guests, I'm going to start asking why aren't there a lot of females in your group? Because I personally like believe, <laughs> yes, they got me convinced. Yes, there should be more opportunities. But then at the same time, I even said, like, do you fit? what they're looking for do they get along with you a whole bunch of stuff like that so 
I just said to myself, there are a lot of women in jazz. Why don't you girls just come together, put out a killer album? Because some of y'all could really play yeah. and not rely on the men. Right. And I think, I mean, those obviously like Artemis um, is doing that. And um, Taylor Carrington with, with the Institute at Berkeley. I mean, there are like a lot of efforts being put forth, but it's honestly like it's so much energy. It's so much extra energy. And I don't think that that should fall on women. And I think that it should, you know, men need to, to also just be like aware of like the space that they're taking. And I think just be a little bit more sensitive to like opportunities that they could like make for women or, or, or just like include more women in like what they're doing. You know, I'm going to pick on you. I'm going to have to ask. <laughs> Please go. <laughs> <laughs> I love what it. do you mean by more energy? Oh, well, it's just like, imagine how much energy like it takes to just like have to explain like why they're like, why aren't there more women playing jazz or like, why aren't there more women groups around? Like, is that something I really want to spend energy thinking about? I don't know. Is it fair to assume that because I'm a woman that I'm going to think about it more? Maybe because I've had like these lived experiences, but like men, I think a lot of men don't have to think about this stuff. So they just go out and do their thing. I, some, some men definitely do think about it and like are very sensitive to those issues. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think a lot of things are changing. It's slow, but things are changing. Oh, okay. Let me rephrase it. So, you violinists, we can name female yeah. bass players, piano players, drummers. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of energy to put the four of you together, fly out for a session. Yeah, I mean, I, if someone invited me to to do something, I'd probably say yes. But I'm not gonna like organize it myself at this point. I mean, I've done a lot of advocacy things for women. Like I, I have actually, um, like I ran a music series and I think 90% of the people I chose to be a part of the music series were women. Um, and so I feel like it can't just fall on me. Like it has to come from more than just women at this point. Okay, uh, just curious. You didn't tell me about your music series, at all. So what is your music yeah. series? Well, it's no longer because of the pandemic. Um, but I used to have a music series um, in Toronto. And uh, yeah, the, it just, it was this amazing restaurant wine bar, not far from where I live. And every Sunday, uh, there was a trio um, that played jazz. And like I said, 90% of the people who were band leaders for those were women so yeah so again it's just it, at a certain point there's only so much i can do right so it has to come from a broader place okay understood on that i'm not going to keep picking on you on yeah. that stuff okay don't worry <laughs> so if you could turn back time would you talk yourself out of being a musician 
No. Would you choose a different instrument? Uh, uh I don't think so. I, I think I like my my place. Okay, no, <laughs> little niche niche little place. <laughs> okay, what would you tell her, eighteen year old you? Hmm. I think I would tell her to be more fearless and just go after things and not be shy and not be intimidated by, you know, the surroundings of what's happening and, and just, just go for it because, you know, fear doesn't get you anywhere. <laughs> it only makes you more stressed out. Um, so just, you know, being positive and, and just being a go-getter, it's, it's good. Okay. What did you misunderstand about the music world from your 18 versus now? How was it different? Hmm. I think, you know, because I went to school to study music after high school. Um, there's like this funny thing where when you're in school, where you're so excited to be a musician and you're so excited to like be in a band and then the school part of it can sometimes take that joy away. And it can really, it's, <laughs> are you laughing? <laughs> Keep going, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like it, it, there's like this, this really, it can be a really sterile environment where, um, yeah, you're focusing on on technicalities and theoretical things, but I think there there needs to be more there to remind us that like music is a joyful thing to to share with other people. It's not a business. Like, I mean it is a business, but it's not like a business in the same way that like being a banker is where you're relying on money. So, I don't know. Wait, wait. wait. Uh how are you not relying on money? I mean, everybody is relying on money, but I mean, like being a banker, like your whole life revolves around money, right? Like making profits, moving up the ladder. Okay. <laughs> well, are you pro-conservatory or not? Uh, I think with the right teachers, it can be a good thing. Uh, with the right program, it could be a good thing, but I think there's like so much focus now on being, uh, you know, savvy with social media and savvy with with business aspects of the music that we're actually losing a lot of, um, of the essence of why we want to be musicians, which is to play for people and to have an experience and to share something with other people yeah you're trying to bring me down a rabbit hole we're not going to do that right now it's okay <laughs> <laughs> it's your choice it's your choice because uh, okay one simple question on that you yeah. you don't think you need the social media to promote yourself more than before because the publisher oh, scene no. and all that stuff is practically yeah you it's a necessary evil okay so next thing is like with all the stuff to do in 2023. Yeah. Why am I going to a jazz show? 
because I think people seek uh, experiences. I think people seek to want to be, well, there's different aspects to music, right? Entertainment, uh, experience, and also just like, it's a fun outing to like do socially or, or, you know, with someone else. So I think, I think choosing to spend your time at a show, I mean, it takes a lot <laughs> to, to want to do that, right? To want to spend money on an experience. But it's like people go to museums and pay to get into a museum and, and spend an afternoon there. And I think, you know, you come out and you feel like this sense of like refresh, like you, you feel refreshed and you feel like, you know, you've had this experience that you can like build upon or, or discuss with other people. A rabbit hole. We'll go to skip. <laughs> yeah. So what's your dream project? <laughs> my dream project? Yes, I give oh you a million dollars. Make me the best project ever. Well, it depends what you define by best. Is it your parameters or is it my parameters? Obviously yours, but I want it to be at least able to make my money back. Hmm. Well, then I think we're in the wrong business. <laughs> and that's a beautiful answer, people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think I, I that's that's why, you know, having those government grants here in Canada is so important because it's there to promote culture. It's not there to promote profit. And are you But we live in a capitalist world. <laughs> but that's the only reason why we're around. Because of a capitalist world. You think those blue note albums in the sixties and seventies were just being pressed for free? Of course not, but there was a different um, makeup. Well, especially in terms of, again, like we were talking about this earlier in the audience, like people were really like going nuts for that music at that time, right? Capitalism. Capitalism. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and no, it's true. And Blue Note, Blue Note capitalized on Big that. Big time. And they made a lot of money off of artists. So, yeah. Okay. When's your next album coming out? Ooh, uh, it's uh, uh, pro hopefully in the next couple of years. C couple of years? Yeah, I know. I, I, I just started writing. So, I mean, I just started writing some new stuff. So this album took me so long to make. So <laughs> we'll You're going to be one of those artists yeah. where like in five, ten years you have a new one out. Please don't be that long. <laughs> <laughs> well, remember when D'Angelo released... Uh, the, oh my god it was so epic I mean I'm nowhere uh, don't worry I'm not comparing it dude it's okay <laughs> but it was so epic 10 years later <laughs> okay well ma'am please tell everyone your social media your website how to reach you all that stuff mm -hmm. yeah I'm on social media uh, my handle is at Tom Z A, so that's H O M Z or Z, I guess how you say it, right? H O M Z Y A. <laughs> Z. And my webs, yeah, I know we have a fun. We 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 say that funny. My website is alinhamzi.com. 
And the uh, best place to find music is on Bandcamp, which is oh, yeah. the best. Oh, yeah. That's what I was about to uh, ask you. Did you take all your stuff off oh, the yeah. streaming platforms? Did you purposely do no, that? No, no, okay. no. Okay. <laughs> no, no. I, I only have one album out. It just came out on last Friday. Okay. My bad. Yeah. No, no. So okay. I counted the weather uh, report albums as, I mean, the weather channel stuff as yours. My mistake. Okay. Oh, it's all good. Yeah, no, no. It's it's on the streamers, but um, I just wanted to make a point to say that Bandcamp is awesome. So and buy it on Bandcamp. Everybody support her on Bandcamp. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, well, today's Bandcamp Friday, so it's yay. <laughs> well, everyone, Leander from Improv Exchange, thank you, man, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And everyone, have a good day. That's that on jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Improv Exchange. <laughs>